This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille. Well, hi there, mindful listeners. Thanks once again for spending some of your day with us. Oh, how are you? I wish we could just chat and talk about it all because there is so much going on continuously, but I've got a lovely guest that's going to help us with some hacking. And we're going to start understanding what hacking is, especially biohacking. Um, She wrote a wonderful book that just dropped called Biohack Your Brain, How to Boost Cognitive Health, So Important These Days, Performance and Power. So Dr. Kristen Willemeyer, she is a PhD, is a renowned neuroscience with an extensive research expertise in brain function, brain injury, and disorders. She holds a bachelor's degree of arts in psychology from Boston College and a master's degree in psychological science and neurobiology, and then a PhD degree in neurobiology from the University of California, Los Angeles. That's where I'm sitting right now. You know, there's so much more that I could tell you about her, but let's get her on the show. Dr. Willemeyer, thanks for being here. Well, good morning, Dr. Holly Lucille. Such a pleasure to be on your show. It's so great to have you. So we're going to get into a bunch of stuff um, on this episode especially being relevant and talking about COVID and some of the things that happen after an infection in a new group or or subtype of of folks called long haulers. So I can't wait for that. But to get started, um, your book is lovely. And I want to tell the readers that um, here's here's what you say who you wrote it for, to to the awakening of greater health and well-being for all of humanity and in loving memory of your parents. Tell me a little bit more about that because if I ever have lived in, in, well, I've lived in this lifetime for 55 years now, but in my lifetime, if there's ever been a need for awakening of greater health and well-being of humanity, it is right now. So I appreciate it so much. But yeah, tell me a little bit about that. Oh, about the dedication. Well, there's, there's, oh my gosh, it just launches into the bigger conversation, right? Well, first, um, you know, I dedicated the book to my parents, you know, I'm currently in my 40s, but uh, both my parents have passed away. And it's, you know, when you are this young, my mom passed from a form of cancer called Waldenstrom's lymphoma. And my father passed with Parkinson's. Mm. And, you know, when you're in your 40s and you realize, you know, life is short and precious and every day we have here, you know, is so meaningful. And I just want people to think about awakening to the importance of that fact and how important our health and wellness is. And the earlier that we start taking care of ourselves, whether it's our physical health or our mental health, can have really extraordinary impacts on how our brain ages and how we appreciate, you know, our day-to-day life. So, and I'm sure you know this, being a doctor, having worked with so many patients yourself, you know, you know that when we start taking care of ourselves early, and that's, you know, in our 20s, 30s, and 40s, it's really important when we're still young and healthy to take care of ourselves so we can age with ease and grace and be like Betty White who just turned 99 99, and is still 
she's literally still memorizing scripts and booking jobs. So, yeah. you know, when I work with you patients know, who are in their 90s and... That, you know, it's, you make such a lovely, beautiful point, and it sounds good when you say it really fast, but what do you tell these, all right, let's just say kids, um, that, you know, h- how do you tell them that? Because, you know, I'm, and I'm guilty myself, invincible. Nothing could stop me. I used to have, a, you know, I used to buy into the slogan, of, yeah, I'll sleep when I die, you know? It's like, it was, you know... I was in a rock and rock and roll bands my entire life and it was just late nights and early mornings. And yeah, you know, I certainly have, um, woken up later. Um, but it's such an important point. So I'm happy that this is getting out there, um, to maybe encourage folks that, Hey, you know, one of the tenets of my medicine is prevention is the cure. It is. And I think only those of us who are in it, I mean, I've spent two decades in my field, you know, you are the same, if, if not more. I mean, you look really young, so I don't know how long you've been practicing. But you know, I will tell you, in writing this book in my 40s, I really wanted to call it a user's guide to great brain health, everything I wish I knew in my 20s, because yeah. just like you, I was doing all of that. I was staying up all night in college you know, barely sleeping and having a great time. And really, you know, when we're young, we don't know these things. It's only with age that we get wiser and working in a clinical setting when you start to see people have challenges earlier in life. Now, to answer your question, um, some of the work that I've done has been in professional athletes. So, uh, you know, I can just dive in, you know, 10 years ago, my colleagues and I did one of the at the time was one of the world's largest brain imaging studies and living professional football players showing what happens to brain function, you know, when you play collision-based sport. And, you know, I, I, it's so funny. I shouldn't say I was shocked, but I think I was shocked. So our first study was in a hundred athletes. And after the first 15 athletes, um, when we started to see the damage that was done to the brain, like the global decrease in blood flow throughout the brain, we knew immediately that we needed to start these players on, you know, a brain rehabilitation protocol. Now, you know, I just wanted to share with you the reason why I even wrote this book is after working with hundreds of players and realizing this damage is happening from playing collision-based sports, right? You get the shearing and tearing of the neurons, you get... Um, blood vessels that are broken, which is causing the low blood flow. If we don't make those corrections early, you know, you start having players that are getting degenerative diseases earlier than most of us would, than the normal population, actually at the rate of three times higher um, than than those of us who don't play collision-based sports. And what that did for us in the clinical setting was go, oh my gosh, Think about the millions of kids that are playing collision-based sports, you know, at the youth level, not getting to, you know, the, the NFL per se, but you just have all of these young kids with their developing brains participating in rugby and soccer and um, ice hockey and uh you know, you've got girls who are doing gymnastics. I'm a former equestrian. I've, I've fallen off hundreds of times myself. So I thought it was really important just to get ahead of this and go, we're already doing this in the clinical setting, teaching our 
um, patients, the players, their families, how to eat brain healthy, how to take care of themselves. And it is reversing the damage. So that's a long-winded answer of saying, you know, we do need to start doing these things young, teaching our kids early how to be brain healthy, live a brain healthy lifestyle, integrate it into the families, teach the parents so that you know, it's not only going to prevent dementia and the diseases of aging, but it's just going to be better for you overall, right? You know, we see the anxiety and depression, mood issues that happen with these kids. Yes. You know, and oh gosh, there's so many things I want to dive into. Okay. So pardon me, because I'm going to rapid fire at you then. Okay. So a couple things, Um, because I do still believe that below you know, at the, below the thyroid level, if you have a disease, you you know, and it's a diagnosis, you get so much more attention and and it's so much more, in my opinion, relevant and uh, substantiated than anything above the thyroid. (laughs) Right. So when you're talking about, it is, it just, there's so much connotation still when there's, um, dementia, Alzheimer's, depression, anxiety, um, panic, you name it. And, and, and it's so important, first of all, I think, to to normalize that and not normalize that, that it's normal, but normalize that, that it's part of medicine and it's part of something that can go wrong, especially, as you note, there are contributing factors with these young kids, as you noted, with people playing compact, impact sports. The, the second thing, you know, that I wanted to say and that I would like you to comment on, and then we're really going to get started, um, is when I was, so, yeah, I've been practicing for over 20 years and... I would no, I would notice in my in my career that a new a new diagnosis would emerge, and one of the ones that drove me crazy was early onset cognitive decline, and I thought this is now a disease category, and I'm like, no, we need to look at identifying and treating the cause. These are yes, maybe younger people that are having cognitive decline. But you can't just manufacture a prescription medication for this quote unquote disease category. We have to understand in our world what is happening so we can help people better. Well, I think you touched on such an important subject. And I'll tell you, you know, my background before I worked in a clinical setting, I spent 10 years in a laboratory setting, you know, studying degenerative diseases at the level of the single cell, you know, and then. When I finished that, I went into a a clinical psychiatric setting and ran a neuroimaging department. And it was, that was true translational medicine, right? Going from what's happening at the level of the single cell, now I'm working in patients and a patient population and trying to help improve the quality of life. Now, the um, string that I'm going to connect between the two is that what I learned very early on is if we take care of our body at the cellular level, um, like you said, below the level of the head, right? The thyroid, you know, reducing inflammation in the body, treating diabetes, hypertension, you know, cholesterol issues. Um, we're going to be taking care of our brain health and coming from a, a brain health background. Um, what I like to teach people is the degenerative processes that lead to cognitive decline start you know, 20 years before you have a symptom. So to your point, you know, here you are now seeing like, okay, we've got this cognitive decline and there are so many reasons why that happens. I mean, it could happen from having, you know, extensive history of smoking and we're damaging the vasculature. It can happen from, 
you know, playing collision-based sports over the course of time. Because truth be told, I mean, I, you know, when I speak about uh, the work we've done in football players, I don't want to scare people from playing collision-based sports. I want to just go, hey, let's get ahead of it and do more brain health practices, right? Preventative medicine, like you're teaching people. Um, But, you know, I've started to learn, wow, there's so many things that are contributing to what we're calling, you know, cognitive decline, the inflammation, inflammatory foods that we eat, um, you know, the oxidative stress, you know, that our bodies are incurring. Our environment, yes. Oh my gosh, it's 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 everything. So it's, and I think this is why I love your background. And I'll tell you, I'm a closet naturopath wannabe. Like I've always wanted to go into naturopathic medicine. So I really honor and respect the work that you do. And you are on the front lines working with your patients, getting ahead of things, right? Doing you know, going and having people get their labs done so we can assess what's going on and make those corrections early. Because all of that, coming in to see you and making sure everything is balanced and healthy is what's going to prevent the cognitive decline, which is what we see in our clinic. And and we see untreated psychiatric issues accelerate um, cognitive decline, right? Having depression increases your risk of dementia. So... I think that's where we're we're at this really fascinating intersection now with COVID-19 and, I, and we don't need to launch into this quite yet because I think you have other questions, but we're in the middle of a mental health crisis and now we're going to see, you know, how that's going to impact people cognitively, not just from getting uh, those who are infected with the virus, but even those who aren't, who are, you know, socially isolated, depressed, you know, there's so, there's so many layers here. That's why it's it, it really is the perfect time to be having this kind of discussion about our cognitive health. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, I, I, I think we're, we're spot on seriously. So I, I want to ask you general questions first, and then I do want to get into the relevance of COVID. Um, I think people still, and maybe I'm just, maybe it's just me. I'm a late adopter to some most things, but um, what, so you, your, your book is, I'm going to get the right title, biohack, biohack your brain, how to, Boost cognitive health, performance, and power. So tell my listeners, please, what a hack is. And then for our purposes, this what a biohack is. Yes. So biohack is just a fancy way of saying we're going to teach you some techniques that are actually going to change the physiological function of your brain. And, you know, coming from me having a neuroimaging background where we used quantitative EEG, where we can look at the electrical activity of your brain. You know, we use something called brain spect imaging, where we could look at blood flow and activity patterns in your brain. The things that I teach in the book are the things that we use in the clinical setting that have measurable and lasting impacts on your brain function. So if you came in and got your brain scanned and then followed the recommendations that I give in the book. And six months later, a year later, we had you come back and do a follow-up scan. We would be able to show you those changes. And trust me, when people see changes, just like when they see changes in their lab values, they then continue to follow your recommendations. Um, From a neuroimaging perspective, it's the same thing. When people see the changes in their brain function and then see that they're lasting, Right? I could have you come in after doing these things 
you know, a year later. And you'll see, wow, the changes are lasting and sustainable. Um, it's really impactful. And that's why the book was called Biohack Your Brain. So it's in what biohacking is doing is either, um, so there's two ways you can change, well, there's sort of multiple ways you can change your brain function. You can help improve brain volume um, so we can grow new brain cells in certain regions that are still uh, what we call plastic or malleable, right, as you age. And that's in the hippocampus, the area of the brain most noted for uh, its role in learning and memory. It's how we retain our memories. If we, if our hippocampal volume starts to shrink as we grow, uh, we have trouble taking the things that we learn during the day and consolidating them to our long-term memory. So that's one way we can do it. Another way we biohack your brain is to help improve blood flow um, because if we damage blood vessels and we don't do anything to correct that, those are going to be the areas of the brain that uh, we see neuronal loss. Um, and then what we do is help people to improve the electrical activity of the brain. And so fancy way of uh, saying that is sometimes there's regions of the brain that are working too hard, like we see with anxiety issues and PTSD and OCD. Um, and sometimes there's regions of the brain that aren't working hard enough. And sometimes we see that in depression. So we have tools and, and fun ways that we can help stabilize uh, the neuronal activity in the brain. And when that is stable, that's where you are able to think clearly, your memory is better. Um, so that's really what I mean by biohacking. Got it. Like, so, so hacking is like, because, you know, I think the old slang was like, you're a hack, you know, it's like, but hacking is like hacking in, being able to make things better. Um, positive change in the yes. brain. I know it's, it's really one of these like hitchy terms, right? Biohack. But, you know, coming from uh, a neuroscientist and somebody who needs to see things that are quantifiable, um, knowing that you can do, you know, certain changes to your diet and lifestyle. And that's the one thing I will say for people who pick up the book um, the goal is making this easy, right? I didn't write a book, you know, to impress my colleagues or to say, oh, here are sort of the latest things you can do with gene editing. No, no, no. These are things every single person can do. You can do it. Kids can do it, right? It's, it's you know, we have the fancy tools in the clinical setting, our hyperbaric oxygen chambers and transcranial magnetic stimulation, right? But what if people really understood that there are daily practices they could do that are going to change the physiological function of their brain and slow down and reverse brain aging? In my mind, what I've seen after seeing thousands of scans, um, it's pretty extraordinary. And I don't know that a lot of people are aware of this. Yeah, that's great. So are okay, you so listeners, like, were you? <laughs> well, not as much. I mean, you know, I, so I'm one of those folks that I have a hard time sitting still and, and I tend to multitask like even by accident. So if I'm sitting at a lecture, you know, sort of a didactic learning process or I will. And I thought later on in my life, you know, instead of like playing um, angry birds, I started to play <laughs> brain games. Like I started yeah. to just like do something that I knew was going to be certainly distracting in the moment, but helpful for me in the long run. So um, I kind of picked that up on my own. But um, no, I think this is really important. I mean, it, like I said, it, it, it goes in the tenet of prevention is the cure. 
And it's so important that we take care of this part of our body, this organ, especially. I want to, I do want to switch to the COVID situation because yes. there's this subset of folks called long haulers. And, you know, right. once again, I, I'm, I'm really into words and I'm like, what's a long hauler? You know, when I first heard it, but it's basically they're hauling around this, the, the, the sequelae from this virus for a long, long time. So the infection you know, is gone. They, they test negative for COVID, but the symptoms persist. So how can mm-hmm. they, these folks, because I've got plenty of them. I'm a COVID survivor myself. Luckily, oh, wow. I feel um, great and fine. And yeah. it was very, very early on. And the only reason I knew is that I had my IgG antibodies tested um, at UCLA and entered the study uh-huh. because they were so high to deliver plasma um, when it was, uh, you know, sort of that's the yeah. route, one of the routes we were going. Um, but how can they prepare for conditions uh, when everything about the illness is so new? I mean, that's why we call it what the the novel coronavirus, right? So it's so new the, and we're the still novel learning. coronavirus. It, it, it not only is it so new and we're still learning. I mean, I feel like I've been sequestered and laying low for an entire year just because we don't know all that this entails and we don't know how long um, these symptoms are going to last in the long haulers. Before I jump into that, out of curiosity, did you lose your sense of smell or taste? Well, you know, I, there, I, I don't think so. And the reason I say that mm-hmm. is I had a very extraordinary case where I was in New York lecturing had to facilitate dad into hospice, flew home early to LA oh. to grab my stuff to get to Michigan, got sick the night I got in Michigan, had to not, I couldn't rest because I, you know, the attorney and the uh, funeral home and the uh, auctioneer, oh. I could, oh. so I, I don't, I, I could have, who knew, but sure. uh, not to my, I didn't notice that as something that, um, uh, that that stuck out for my case, but I had so much going on. I probably wasn't even paying attention. Nor was right. I <laughs> Did you have respiratory symptoms then? The dry cough, oh, yeah. the fatigue, yep. the, dr- the... the yeah. Mm-hmm. And then of course I thought, you know, the reason I couldn't, uh, the reason I was so fatigued is because I had so much going on. Because and then I was, you know, flying all over the place. I flew back home sick, probably infected by eighty people, not knowing. Interestingly oh, enough, it was so early on that that was the first time in my entire 20 years of flying around the country that I took out a wipe and wipped down my own airplane wow. sort of, you know, area. Yeah. And meanwhile, yeah. I'm sick with COVID. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, you, you didn't know. I mean, if you if, you, if it happened early on. And I just want to say I'm so sorry about your father oh. passing. Oh, oh my you. gosh. And in yes, the middle of all of this. You too. Oh, oh, I mean, thank you. I know it's such a young age. Plus, by the way, I don't believe you're 40. I think you're 89, and um, because you've done so much, and you've done it. So <laughs> oh, too, oh no, you are too kind. Hey, look at you! Oh my gosh, you're a nurse, and then you went to go to naturopathic medical school. That's pretty amazing. Um, so, and I, I appreciate you sharing with me your experience of you know having COVID. You know, it's what's really fascinating. Then I'll jump into what I think everybody can do to just sort of protect themselves. Um, moving forward is as I'm, you know, reading the literature, you know, finding out what people are experiencing. I mean, you've got, like I said, on CNN, Chris Cuomo, you know, talks a lot about the long hauler oh. syndrome because he has it and he still has it consistently. Yeah. But you see him, he goes to work every single day. You know, he's got the he depression, the fatigue, the malaise. Yes. 
Yeah, we say we say uh, it's so funny. My husband's like it's his uniform. It's like uh, being a yeah. waiter in the uh, yeah. <laughs> in the I restaurant. Think, uh, we started, but he likes it. It's to, easy, right? Yeah, it, yeah, it, he yeah he probably just keeps it right there. Maybe changes his white shirt. Right. It's fine. He doesn't have to think about it. Like here's what He's I wear. He's got so much other good. else to think about. I think that's probably <laughs> a hack too. You know, don't sweat the small stuff. You know, just like forget about thinking what tie goes with what. Well, was it, shirt. didn't Steve Jobs do that too? Like, was it his yes. uniform with yes. a black yes. shirt and pants? Yes. You know, if it could only be so easy. Um, but, we, you know, what's really fascinating with COVID as I'm watching, I mean, we know, right, it binds to these uh, ACE2 receptors, which are throughout the body. So, you know, my gosh, the GI symptoms, you know, happen because it can bind to, you know, the intestinal tract. You've got it. It, it can bind to the liver, the kidneys. You know, we know that people who get the infection, if you have the cytokine storm, um, it can disrupt the blood-brain barrier. We know that it can get into the brain. We, you know, you start reading the autopsy reports of people who've had COVID, like it's been found in the frontal lobes, it's in the cerebrospinal fluid. So, you know, you have this inflammatory process. So when thinking about, oh, how do we prevent this or get ahead of it? Um, first of all, it's just about, you know, following an anti-inflammatory protocol, you know, and that eating a brain healthy diet where it's, you know, high in fruits and vegetables, which are anti-inflammatory. Think about berries and cranberries and strawberries and raspberries. I mean, those little things, I mean, people don't think about how important their diet can be in reducing inflammation in the body, but it's essential, you know, have your two servings of fruits and three servings of vegetables a day. Have your green juice, right? That's anti-inflammatory. Decrease your daily sugar intake, right? The American Heart Association says, you know, women should have no more than 25 grams a day and then 36 grams. And trust me, having run weight loss groups for years and having people track their sugar, I guarantee you most are having about 90 grams. So, you know, and would you... They do. Reducing inflammatory foods, your fried foods, your saturated fats, your meats, your cheese, your dairy, and then adding in things like omega-3 fatty acids and curcumin, right? And curcumin, we know, crosses the blood-brain barrier, and it's an amazing anti-inflammatory for the brain. So, you know, and I know this is your wheelhouse because... You know, it's, I, I, I gave a lecture at, there's this incredible conference called Hawaii Doc Talks, and they were trying to take this, the, they were trying to take the onus off of that whole PowerPoint, sit there for an hour and you know, sure. kind of like brain dead at the end of the day, no pun in, or anything by that. <laughs> but, but so they were 20 minutes short, like sort of TED Talks and all of your, your slides yep. could only have graphs on it. And so, uh-huh. but my, my, my lecture was unusual, uh, what was it called? Something like unusual conditions, unusual uses for curcumin in, pra- in clinical practice and the research Ooh. on cognitive decline in Alzheimer's with curcumin. Yep. People came up to me and was like, curcumin? You use that for curcumin? And, and the whole thing with diabetes too. Okay, that's a whole nother show. I know we're running out of time, so I yes. do not want to detract from you, <laughs> but please go ahead. But, it, but it's, a great, it's a great point. Can I just share one thing? I mean, I know we're running out oh, of please. show, but people do not know this and it's, it's so amazing. So 
Curcumin, we know not only does it cross the blood-brain barrier, you know, a friend of mine is a, a colleague and a neurosurgeon over at Cedars, and he's got a company called NeuroVision, um, where they are looking at using curcumin because it crosses the blood-brain barrier, binds to the plaques that form an Alzheimer's disease, and they can see it fluoresce and potentially use this as a non-invasive tool to see, uh, to actually track the progression of plaques in the brain and start strategies early in the prevention of Alzheimer's. So can you imagine, now this is just, we know this because of curcumin. We know it can cross the blood-brain barrier and bind to these plaques. And for somebody like me who's in the brain health field, I'm like, oh my God, this is extraordinary. Like people need to be having curcumin more, whether they're taking the supplements or having it in their diet. It's, it, it, you know, I, I figured I'd share it with you because you probably yes. love this kind of stuff. Too. No, I do. And, you know, I am so, we're having you back on because I've got so much more to talk to you about because the thing Yay. is, you know, the, I, I do want to say something about curcumin. Um, it, yeah. I, I love that people take that little like horizontal ruber and put an inch of it in their smoothie and stuff. It does have a difficult time in its rare form getting a, getting into the bloodstream. So most of those, you know, there's a couple licensed ingredients out there that it's a they're an absorption agent. So they're bound to that because when you look at the research, I think what's important for consumers is that we want the medicinal aspect of turmeric, which is curcumin or the curcuminoids. We want to match the amount of curcuminoids, not the amount of okay, what's all in your, um, what's bound to the uh, absorption agent, it's that actual curcuminoid. And that's just a really important point because I'm such a consumer advocate. And when you have such yes. a hot quote unquote supplement like curcumin, there's so many inferior products that people can go, oh, hey, I heard this is good for me and they're taking it, but they're getting like a fairy dust dose. Um, so I'm, you I'm are, sure that, yeah. You are correct. And I will tell you coming from my background, so I was, the director of nutrition and nutraceuticals also at our psychiatric clinic. So I used to study how supplements act on the brain or what, whether they do anything or not. And to your point, um, and this is sort of a whole nother discussion is on supplements and their efficacy. And a lot of times, you know, I tell people you want to see the white papers or the peer reviewed papers on that particular product to see if it's efficacious and what the proper dose is. And that's why working with somebody like you who knows what works and what doesn't work because the supplement industry can be the wild, wild west, right? People don't know what to take and how much to take and when and <laughs> yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yes. So listen, so, and, and, uh, okay, so we're 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 gonna we're gonna have you back on because there is Wonderful. so much to talk about, and I do think that you're 89. I do um, because <laughs> you have your heart. done oh, you're so, so much, sweet. and you're you're here in Los Angeles, correct? I am. Yes, and you are. Are you in Santa Monica? Did I see? No, I'm. I'm. Um, I just. I'm in Beachwood Canyon, so I'm right down the street. Oh, that, oh, I know where that is. Beautiful. Yeah. So I want to ha have folks understand that they can learn more about you at drwillemer.com, and I'm going to spell that. That's D R W I L L E U M I E R dot com. The book Biohack Your Brain: How to Boost Cognitive Health, Performance, and Power. This is not, even though she's very well educated, bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, and a PhD. This is for us. This is for you fun brain games to get those blood flow going into the cells that really need it. 
a, a brain diet, physical activity to overcome cognitive damage. You can heal cells. You can, the body has this innate ability to heal. How to do a whole brain makeover is in there. How to be more creative and think more clearly. Prevention is the cure. You are amazing, Dr. Willemeyer. Thank you so much Aww. for being here. I am. I know I'm going to talk to you soon because I'm going to work it out with my producer and we'll, um, we're going to have another great and probably more tailored conversation. But I, can talk I, to I love forever. it. I, I, it's, it's so fun talking to doctors and I know I go off on all kinds of tangents, but there's so many great teaching moments. So, um, and I, I truly thank you for the invitation to be here. And yes, the book is written for, for everyone, for the general audience. It's fun. Every chapter has a client story. It has an NFL story as well because of all the work I've done with pro athletes. So it's even for men, <laughs> men who like this as well as women. And I'm assuming folks can get it wherever they get books, but I always encourage mm-hmm. people to maybe if you can local support those bookstores. local bookstores. I know yes. we love our local. Yes, you could get it from Amazon, Barnes and Noble, but yes, uh, local bookstores, especially now, we, you know, supporting local businesses is important. So important. So um, thank you so much. It's truly been such a pleasure meeting you. This is so fun. Thank you, Dr. Kristen Willemeyer. All right. Mindful listeners, again, thank you for, well, putting up with us because we were all over the place, but <laughs> for being here and for taking care of your mind. This is what we're talking about. Well, your mind and your brain are different, but thanks for being here. We'll see you next time.